Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, you guys. Happy, uh, no, I'm not saying that anymore. I'm over it. We're in it. We're doing it. We're here. We're here now. Be in the moment. Uh, I did see something really good this morning before I left. I saw new people being sworn in into the House of Representatives, and it was freaking awesome. It was so great. They had Muslims. They had women. They had people of all different colors. They had people, they even have... They even have, like, uh, Native Americans now. There's two Native Americans. Um, I think uh, I think the world is, I think this country is moving forward, and um, I think that we are going to have a good reaction from the shit we all had to put up with last year. And uh, if you know what I'm saying, and I know you do, so I'm just going to keep going here. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I have uh, an incredible artist for you today, uh, Natalie White, who is really, really complicated. (laughs) And I'm going to try and work this out, but I work this out with her between her feelings, between my feelings about myself and like her entire life, uh, what we're, it's, you're going to have to work with me here, folks. I hope I don't get thrown off because I was away last week. I was in Asbury Park, New Jersey, <laughs> um, listening to a, a uh, Grateful Dead cover band. But right on. Um, okay, so Patty, Patty Fabricant, if you are out there, we are going to get this job done. The job done is for letting... For me, letting you know, all of you out there, that I am going to be performing at the Front Room Gallery this coming Sunday, January 6th, between 3 and 4 p.m. So the curator, uh, Patricia Fabricant, who is a fabulous artist on her own, curated this exhibition where she took five pairs of studio partners, people that share the studio, and showed their work together and I am going to uh, psychoanalyze each of these studio couples, and uh, hopefully I won't like ruin any of their relationships, and uh, they will still continue to make art, I have no doubt, after um, I dig into their heads. Let me just, Pat, Patricia was maybe going to call in, but uh, let me just mention the artist, and then we can move on, okay, if Patricia's not going to call in. Because she's busy. She's curating a show. She just curated the show, and she has to get ready for all the stuff that's happening on it this weekend. So it's Thomas Broadbent, Janice Caswell, Patricia Fabricant, Alex Gingro, Jesse Henson, Amy Hill, Christopher Lowry Johnson, Mark Masagiga, Kelly Parr, and Wendy Small. And after I'm done at four, there'll be free drinks till six. And you can still see the art, which is really, I mean, I've been down there. It's a really good show. So anyway, come to that. Okay, so let me explain to you who, uh, to, 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 to you who Natalie White is. I'm just going to do this, see if I can do this really quickly. Natalie, what do you think? I think you can do it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it would be a very complicated thing for even me to do, so go for Thank it. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> see, see, I feel really encouraged by Natalie. <laughs> 
There's something about you, Natalie. You know, you look a little like Renee Zwelliger. I got to tell oh, you. Oh, thank you so in much. In the best way possible. Thank you. Have you heard that before? No, but I'll take it. You know, I just saw that movie last, yesterday. You're much smart, or you, you're. I don't even like comparing you because that movie was so dumb. But uh, I actually don't usually. I got sucked into it. Uh, Bridget Jones has a baby. It's the worst piece of crap. Ooh, ever. I haven't seen that one. It's really bad. Really bad. Very anti-feminist women woman it's not it's not good for women it's you got to meet the world where it is it's not where you want it to be yeah well you're right about that it's total fairy tale so let's see if i can do this really quick okay uh i know natalie a bit mostly i know her through our mutual friends who um she has had the honor of posing for and she okay so she grew up in west virginia in a poor Poor, yes. poor, like just you. Just it sounds like the stereotype. Her parents were both uh, med, 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 free Methodists, uh, uh, Sunday school teachers Sunday in the Free Methodist teachers. Church, and our house cost twenty thousand dollars for my co- parents to buy it. So it seems to me like she uh, had kind of a independent thinking streak and left around when she was age 17 and moved to New York, which is really ballsy, especially nowadays. Like that was only, I don't know if you, you know, I mean, that was post way post Madonna. That sounds like Madonna, actually. That's what it's making me think of. Anyway, she wound up meeting a lot of very famous artists, people like Spencer Tunick, Will Cotton, uh, Sean Lennon, George Kondo, who wound up making, well, I mean, this is an example of how famous the people were. George Kondo, who she wound up dating for a while, uh, wound up making this painting of her. He's a very famous artist. If you don't know his name, you should look it up. His, his work is excellent. And he wound up selling the uh, painting of her for $5 million. He didn't sell it. It was sold at auction, right? How That's much correct. money do you think he got out of that? I think that he probably sold it to whoever sold it at Christie's and got $5.2 million for it. Yeah, but you think he probably sold it for what? Uh, probably six seven hundred. Yeah, like $700,000. Yeah. Did you get paid for the painting? No, I, no. And he showed it to your parents, right? Yeah, yeah. That was really... Um, George is such a great, fun, wonderful person. Are you guys and- still friends? Yeah, totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah completely. So, um, your parents? So, um, my father, stepmother, and sister came up to the studio to visit us. Uh, my, you know, they came in from West Virginia. My sister's, uh, was already here in New York. And, uh, you know, we made them dinner in the studio. And then George pulled out the paintings of me because he couldn't wait to show them to my, to my parents. And, I, he's so wonderfully and genuinely wonderfully oblivious that he didn't really think about the fact that, okay, here is my boyfriend showing a painting of me uh, with my boob on it to my father. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the kind of guys these but it, artists but, but are. It, yeah, but, you know, it's it, he didn't think, George didn't think of it that way, and um, you know, because he didn't think of it that way, neither did my father, really. But except, wow, good for him. Yeah, uh, good for him. So what? What I okay? So you get what I'm saying, folks? About like, so uh, she, she, I, I, she wound up posing for a lot of men, being their muse, really, because 
uh, she is, Natalie is smart and like totally outspoken. So you know that she, her personality could not help but influence his work, whatever work she was involved in, which is I think why, because like I was saying to her before, there's a million beautiful young women that come to New York and very few of them wind up being muses to all these famous arts. Yeah, John Perry Barlow, I think, put it the right way when he said about me that the reason why he started talking to me isn't the reason why he kept talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So Natalie, uh, in this interview by the um, um, wonderful Joe Heaps Nelson, who we all hold in high esteem and and miss, he passed, was that last year? Yeah. Way too, way, 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 way too soon. But anyway, uh, he did a great interview with Natalie. He also did a great painting of Natalie. And and, uh, I got this quote from Natalie from that interview. It says, every beautiful woman should just bask in the glory of what she has Humility is for when you're dead. Right. Which I love. Right. It's it's about because, you know, people need to accept and be joyous of the gifts that they're given. And, you know, we need to stop being told that we shouldn't use what we have to be happy. And if if what we look like makes us happy, we should bask in the glory of that. Well, we should of the gifts that we're given. Yeah, and also just to take pride in. So you have. So here's the thing. I was. uh, We were trying to work all this out. So we uh, we were saying that you have a really positive feeling, and um, are really good at making people comfortable. And I think like your positive feeling. Do you think? I mean, I think every woman should feel like that about her body, right? Or everyone? Completely, completely. And also, you know, it doesn't mean that you should ignore other things that make you great as well and also bask in the glory of that, too. Um, You know, I think that people should be happier about what they do and the gifts that they're given. And, you know, why not celebrate it? So anyway, everyone should take a few minutes a day to celebrate themselves. There you go. Gratitude. We were talking about that, too. How important how important that is. So I want to um, just finish up the summary of of Natalie so we can get into this conversation. So Natalie um, had a lot of solo shows, a lot of great work. She's performed naked. She's been, she had, um, she's had a lot of big shows. Do the research, okay? It's Wikipedia. I'm not going to bore you with details here. This is not what this is about. But anyway, she's a very well-respected artist uh, who had the balls to move to New York and make her own way at age 17. And then after uh, being amused for a while, she wound up making her own work, which is really fabulous. A lot of, she works, one of the few people that works with a certain format of a huge format Polaroid camera. There's only like six in the world. Uh, Andy Warhol used one. And after making her own work for a while, she found out um, a lot about um, women's rights and wound up doing a lot of work around women's rights. She walked 250 miles from New York to Washington, D.C. That was last, just last year, two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. 17. And then you tagged. It was 16. 2016 before the presidential election. 
And then you tagged, uh, you spray painted ERA now on the Capitol building, which you got arrested for, and uh, they made you pay 50 bucks, and you're okay with that now. I actually represented myself at court, and I went all Abby Hoffman style. So Uh, great. Yeah. (laughs) And here's another great, great quote about, uh, about Natalie that from Spencer Tunick that I took out of that great interview. It says, Spencer Tunick says, if I could bottle Natalie's personality and sprinkle it over Manhattan, we would truly, we would have a truly naked city. <laughs> you love that? We love that. I love Spencer. Okay, so here's the conversation that I don't even have straightened out in my head, but I know Natalie, I'm a little intimidated, Natalie. I'm going to say I'm a little oh, nervous. No, intimidated little ner- by what? A little bit. Don't. I'm going to say a little bit because... Let me explain to you what I think this conversation should be about, and then I'll see if I'm embarrassing myself. Okay. So here's an issue. I actually want you to help me work out an issue, I think. Okay. Here's an issue I have, okay, about sexual currency and about young, sexy women owning their sexuality, because it seems like there's two sides of it, and one side is... um, that women should all feel good about their sexuality and own their sexuality and all that and just, you know, be good with it. And then there's this other side of me that's curious about women that use their sexuality to get things. And I don't see you that way at all. I see you as this is why I want to have this conversation with you because I genuinely believe you are a giving person. That you give more than completely, you get back. Completely. I have no. I I know that. So, uh, um, this is where I am starting. I'm not right about everything, but I have pretty good instincts, and a lot of people think I am right about a lot of things. So, I'm starting from this place. Now, my own issues are. I mean, I want this to be about you. I'm going to be asking you questions, but just just so that we all know where I'm starting from. The counter transference that I have. Okay, so I'm twice, probably more than twice. I'm 62. I mean, I don't hide that. So I'm like twice as old as you are or whatever, or more or whatever. I'm old. Okay. Um, so it's really funny. Like, I feel like being older, I feel actually better about my physical appearance now. I think I look better as an old lady than I did as a young woman. As a young woman, I felt like kind of, I didn't have a good body. I felt like kind of overweight and uh not attractive because you're surrounded by beautiful young women but now at my age I'm much more comfortable in how I look but I I also don't think that I ever um probably because of my upbringing and all that shit but I never really used my sexuality even when I could have so uh, there's part of me that worries that maybe I resent women who are capable of using their sexuality I don't know I hope not I'm embarrassed about that but I'm putting that out there so so you'll know and everybody else will know. So that's a possibility. But um, I'm, I, I mean, I want to get into, to, you know, examples and details. But what I think I'm really curious about from you, which, you know, hopefully we'll sort of, we can sort of work through some of this, um, that you seem to be able to have both in the sense that, I don't feel like you're competitive about your sexuality or that you're trying to get over on it, that you're trying to get people to do things for you because you're pretty and sexy and willing to be sexy. 
Um, but at the same time, you do get advantages because of that. So, but I'm wondering if you see it that way or whatever, you know, do you know what I mean? Does that make any yeah, sense? So I don't think that I necessarily get advantages by being sexy because there's a thousand girls out there in New York City right. or more that are that are sexy. So obviously, you know, I'm using my brain for some of it. So no, and, but it is truly your personality. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that I'm a highly aware of the way that I affect people and the way that they affect me. Um, and the way that, and I always kn- knew that sexuality could be used as a weapon. Uh, I knew that from a very young age, I've, I had seen it be used by other people. Mm. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't use my body and sexuality as, as a weapon. And because there's certain ways that you can use your sexuality as a woman that can be very hurtful to people. Mm. And I think you need to be aware of that. So mm. I, uh, I don't want to hurt people. Therefore, I don't want to, you know, use my sexuality to gain things that I wouldn't get without it. Interesting. So do you think that, I mean, that's why I'm assuming, I mean, it's why these artists trust. It's not a matter of trust. I think that, um, these artists that work with you and the work that you've made and the, and you know, the work is, I mean, it's all part of your ability to your particular uh, ability that you have that I think transcends your physical being or whatever that is, uh, where there's a sense of trust and community that you are able to establish with other people. Isn't that part of it? Right. Completely. Uh, you know, when I walk into a room with an artist and they throw out an idea and I don't think that it's a good idea, I'll say it. It doesn't matter who they are. And mm-hmm. also, you know, I'll try things that sound ridiculous. Like, uh, one time with Michael Dweck in Miami, um, the, not in Miami, it was in New York. There was freezing cold water uh, that I had to jump into as a part of this photo shoot. Um, and I knew that the images would come out amazing. So I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was uh, when we were shooting uh, me topless and just a skin colored thong on top of the Wall Street Bull, it was freezing. But I knew that those images would be iconic because of the way that that we set out to do it. So I'm willing to do things that most people aren't on the, on the mm-hmm. fly of the moment because mm-hmm. uh, I'm willing to go to the next level to get. But I'm, but I'm also thinking that maybe your com your comfort, and I don't even call it confidence. I think it's like kind of just a, you know, a, or a quiet confidence is such a weird word in this with sex and confidence together but it's not like it's not a defensiveness it's not and it's not a show-offiness it's just a very natural comfortable in your skinness and your personality which is big enough to uh communicate that so i think that's a lot of what um why people are comfortable and it's just really all about being goofy at the end of the day and, yes. you know, having a great time and, you know, not like looking at the watch and being like, oh, I'm five minutes over. Or you don't take yourself too seriously. No, not at all. And you don't expect them. I mean, you don't expect them to be treating you as a sex object. Is that right? Or how? what's that about? Because 
Um, I've been naked in public too, a bunch of a couple of times. Um, but as like, I'm great. I'm fine about being naked now that I'm old because I don't feel like I'm challenging anybody about my sexuality. So, So, yeah. So how do you navigate that? So it's really easy to kind of break down that barrier of, you know, somebody might be intimidated or scared, uh, within, you know, the first 10 seconds of me being, you know, in a room with them naked pretty soon, like after I'd say about 30 seconds, every single time it's been, that wall's been broken down. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whether it, because, you know, it's just about the tension that you have and the, the you know the lack of anxiety and the complete calmness and mm-hmm. goofiness and mm-hmm. you know as soon as oh as a woman i had all of the power as a naked woman you have all of the power mm. you can either be sexual because you're told that you were supposed to be sexual if mm-hmm. you're a naked woman mm-hmm. or you could be completely calm and it complete be a great experience for everyone mm-hmm. in the room mhm so, so I guess like when you think about like um, what you see on, you know, in the media, you think of like, and you did a cover shoot for, you did the first cover shoot for which Playboy? Playboy. And, I've been in Playboy four times. You've been in Playboy and I've you've been, been naked fr- in Playboy. Yeah, I've yeah. been naked in Playboy. I've done French Playboy twice, French, American Playboy yeah. twice. So yeah. anyway, so I think like the stereotype of that is you imagine some woman taking herself really seriously and how hot she is and all that right and you don't take your i think that's part of it isn't it well i think the 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 idea that i don't take Take myself seriously seriously is completely correct and it comes out in the photos too that i don't take any of this seriously um and i do take my work seriously yeah um, and you take their work seriously. And I take their work seriously. partly your work, right? Right, exactly. But I don't take the idea of sexuality and me being naked seriously. Right, right. So you also said that you've never been or you haven't had any problems with... Um, you haven't had any problems with being harassed, sexually harassed or anything. Did you? Did I read that or have you? Or what's your feeling about that? I've, you know... I've always had this confidence and calmness and, you know, a lot of the times and the reasons why people find me a muse is because, find me as their muse is because they see a lot of themselves in me. I reflect a lot of the things that people want, want to see in themselves, in themselves. They project that upon me. And by doing that, they, they treat me in a way that they would want to treat that part of themselves and they wow. yeah and uh like i was telling you earlier that a lot of the times when i'm in a group of people you know they'll say like like for instance like you have red hair they'll say have you ever thought about dyeing your hair red because like they want me to look more like them because they see themselves in me and that makes me really happy and that also makes them like not want to mistreat me because I we become like this energy uh, that just reflects each other, you know, in a you way. You know, it's kind of like um, what I imagine when uh, you um, like you picture somebody trying to, you know, hold you up with a knife or a gun. And then you were like, 
Hey, I'm, you know, you go like, well, listen, man, you know, let me give you like five bucks. I'd oh, I would get. totally do that. I would totally yeah, do that. One time you had cops like try to take a show that you were in down, right? And you. Yeah, talk, talk exactly. And I, I walked them around. It was a really sh- big deal. Yeah. yeah. So it was um, in all the papers. It was like it was 10 pages. Page it was yeah. all the full pages in the New York Post. And, you know, it's about like being discerning. Like somebody comes at you with. You know, the police came and they said, we want to shut down the show. All the neighbors are complaining because, you know, there was a 14 foot tall black and white photo of my naked torso in the window. Hilarious. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I just walked them around the show. I flashed them. I introduced myself to them. And, you know, like by the end of the show they were huge fans so you showed them your tits oh i totally did there's even photos of them online so what did they how did they react to that did they laugh they thought it was funny and because it just is flashed, funny it's not even sexy you it's know, not right? sexy at all but also you know i went around and i explained to them like what the work meant and you know they really got it and you know they got that it wasn't pornography and Mm-hmm. Um, you treated them with respect is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like smart. Exactly. Well, they are just because, yeah. because, you know, just because you, and, and it's their job to protect the community. Sure. Um, and they had to go check it out because sure. they had a complaint, but also let's say these people in the community who, you know, didn't like the show because of the nudity, uh, just because I disagree with someone doesn't mean that they're not right to them. Yeah, right, right, right. So, you know, right. I have my reasons for doing things. They have their reasons for doing things. And they're not wrong or evil just because they say they see the world in a different way that I do. So what about um, women when you I mean, you do. Do you ever like this is something I don't I don't personally understand because I was such a nerd and so dorky and not, you know. Oh, I in high school, and, I was made fun of and a nerd and dorky all the time. I was. Yeah, you know. But anyway, um, do what? Like, how do you feel about women? Like, do you are you ever like in a situation where, like, you're with other women who are trying to like use their sexuality or compete with you, or where you feel like there's a competitive vibe about sexuality? Like, how do you deal with that, or what's your take on that? Um, There are a few, not many women who um, like have this complete competitive spirit anytime that they're around me um in fact there's one in particular who i've been told <laughs> by um uh an an ex uh uh employee of theirs that used to just sit around and google me and be mad that i existed at all um <laughs> and it's was really strange um but you know this ex-employee and I were at Art Basel together hanging out and, you know, she said, I don't understand why this person doesn't like you this much uh, because if they, if they did, you know, want to spend time around you and didn't feel this immense competition with you, they would be here with us right now having a great time. Mm. And I agree. And, you know, this, um, this competitiveness isn't something that I create. It's completely in other people. Right. I'm a very accepting person. I'm a very joyful person. I, you know, invite lots of people around me and I, I do not have an evil bone in my body. So whatever these feelings are are not feelings that I create. Mm. They're created by someone else. 
So fucking grounded. We got to find out about that. Um, but before we do, I'm going to remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, the best radio station on the planet. Obviously, right? obviously, obviously, you're here. I'm We're here. basking in our glory of how great we are right now. Absolutely. But you know what's really great? You should um, download our apps. Do you know we have these free apps that you can download on your phone? Um, and then if you have it on your phone, you can just listen to whatever's on the station. And there's like all at I'm going to download now. We have great music at night. We have like so many. You can really get you can really feel connected to like the whole planet. I swear to God through this. Try dancing app. naked in your apartment alone and see how great it feels. See, there's great advice. And you can do that tonight with uh, Tom Tenney's show, uh, Frequency Theory, which is on 8 to 10 o'clock. He's the director of the station. So anyway, uh, so go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and download a slash iPhone or slash Android and download one of our apps and uh, check in with us. So anyway, uh, and um, okay, so what? Okay, so you know what I was thinking? Back let's to talk and about. Lisa. <laughs> let's talk about um, like how you got to, like you're you have a, a very original take on life. I think so. I don't know anybody else who, you know, I don't know many people who just like pick up and go to New York at age 17. Yeah, I know. There are people who tell me to describe myself to them. And I'm like, this is so complicated. I have no idea. (laughs) So what, like, what was it like where you grew up? What were your parents like? So um, I grew up in a red wooden house. Uh, (laughs) On the corner in Fairmont, West Virginia. Um, is it like a poor, like I picture like this poor town with a main street. Is that like, was it a middle class town? Was it a poor town? What kind of town was it? it it's interesting because uh, I don't know, but I can tell you that uh, however the town was, like the like the richest person there was like the doctor. Um I think that we had we had one sit down restaurant on our side of town. Um, Did you have a movie theater? No. Um, well, so there's an east side of town and a west side of town. Um, on our side of town, there was no m- movie theater. Uh, my house cost twenty thousand dollars for my parents to buy it. I walked to school every day. Um, I was also poorer than people around me that I was told that were poor. Mm-hmm. So even though I was in this poor town in West Virginia, whether it was poor or not, I don't know. I'm, I've been never, told now that I, it should be, it would have been classified as that. But I was poorer than those people. Wait, you never had to worry about <laughs> food or clothes, right? Um, no, I never had to worry about food or clothes. There was lots of yard sales. So Mm -hmm. I remember going shopping at lots of yard sales. How about like, did you ever want a particular brand of anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that wasn't available? Yes, completely. Was that available to anybody in your town? Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, like everyone had these airwalks or vans, Mm -hmm. shoes, and uh, I couldn't get those because because they were too expensive, and I was made fun of for not having those. I there there was you know there were certain things that I didn't get, but you know I was also made fun of as a kid. Um, I was called weird, and you know I'm really glad that that happened because mm-hmm. if I hadn't if I had felt loved and accepted by like my peers in school, I might have still been there. 
and I wouldn't mm, be here. Mm, and, interesting. And so when I hear people talk about like anti-bullying campaigns, obviously I think that bullying is <laughs> awful, but without bullying, I wouldn't have been pushed into this great life that I have right now. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so like what I was made fun of as a kid for in West Virginia is completely celebrated here. Did Did you always have a big personality? I I did, even though I probably shouldn't have. Well, there's no should in that. <laughs> uh, well, it, I had, I've I've part. always had a big personality, even though even when I was grow- growing up in West Virginia, I was not treated as someone who would normally have a big personality. Normally, people would be shy for the way that I was treated by people around me. But I've always had a big personality. I've always been very confident in what I can do. Um. And I go out and, you know, do things that normal people would never even um, imagine doing, like walking 250 miles from New York to D.C., like um, actually believing that I could change the Constitution of the United States of America. Mm. And and not only believing that I could do it, but like setting out a pathway for that to to happen with, you know, many groups of other people. So what kind of um, how did your parents deal with that were you you're you um by nature are did not fit in just by your the mere nature of who you are right (laughs) so how did your parents deal with that they were both methodist teachers so my mother was uh on sundays they were both free methodist uh sunday school teachers in church and um my mother was a hairdresser for a while and then did um part-time um dental assisting my father's an epidemiologist he you know had a government job um which is a very important government job what, I mean, is, what is that um uh he's saving us from communicable diseases so is your father a scientist or a doctor or um well He's I call him a scientist researcher. Yeah, he, you know, makes sure he he makes sure that communicable diseases don't spread. That's cool. Yeah, that's super cool. So he's a pretty he must be an educated guy. No. Uh, Yeah, he has a master's degree. He, uh, you know, um, he worked a lot with the CDC, super intelligent. I didn't know they had people like that where you're in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But also, you know, my father and I, you know, we used to like drive around at night listening to music and he would be like, tell me what the song is about. And, you know, like I would analyze the song. I think that that's probably what led me to like a lot of like self-analyzing, being able to understand other people and like what they're saying and doing. But he also took you very seriously in that you knew what you he made you the expert. Right. Exactly. Of course. Right. On music. So he he took you seriously yeah he he did and you know my parents they worked a lot so i had a lot of time alone which allowed me to develop uh my own personality Mm -hmm. not based on anything else but me right and you said you had an older sister yeah i have an older sister she's amazing she also came from west virginia elizabeth white um she's the cryptocurrency queen wow uh yeah she's also a a race car driver wow what a daring family yeah in fact um she used to drive uh, like when we went to high school together um she we used she used to borrow my grandmother's car to drive us to school every day and uh, she used to go 120 miles per hour every day on the highway to school which 
which you know she blamed on me for being late every day. So you're welcome for um, jumpstarting your race car driving career. <laughs> <laughs> so did your parents just kind of like was their attitude? Um, <coughs> was their attitude kind of like they trusted you and they stayed out of your way, or did they find out what did they find out about any the driving? Um, I don't really know what went on with the driving. I'm so shocked that my parents did not stop my sister driving 120 miles per hour to school every day. Um, I did a really good job of covering up, um, you know, whatever I needed to do. Cover Were you up. a good student? Did you get good grades? <laughs> no. No, I didn't get good grades, but I, but I got really high SAT scores. Um, so high that, uh, they wanted to make me take it all over again. Oh, like you were cheating. Like they thought that I was cheating and I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to any big university anywhere. Like I'm not That's applying hilarious. anywhere. So, uh, so, you know, I just like, I didn't get good grades because my um, my teachers would send me home with like 50 problems to do and I would be like, okay, here's three. I obviously did them correctly. Why are you making me do the other 47? So you just didn't want to, you didn't want to play by the rules. No, and I obviously, you know, I thought that the rules were stupid, and I was an athlete, and I, uh, you know. You were good in sports. Did yeah. you excel at that? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, one year at the AAU competitions, um, I was a first place in the state for high jump. Um, wow. I, I always placed within the top five in the high jump, um, and at my state level competitions, and uh, yeah, I... I actually lettered in four varsity sports in high school. Get out. Yeah, cross country, soccer, basketball, and track. I, I was the best at track. Um, You know, you have to, like, score so many points in track um, during a season to um, get a varsity letter. And my very first freshman um, uh, meet, I scored enough to get a varsity letter for the entire season just in that one wow so you're a very talented yeah. athlete that yeah. must have given you confidence yeah completely well it also gave me a way to you know get out a lot of the your energy anger. <laughs> inner anger anger at, at the way everybody around you was narrow-minded yeah your, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so did that help your parents sort of like think that you um you know, think you were on the right track of not worrying about you because you had something that you were good at that you were applied. You must have applied yourself. Yeah, I think so. I was also a naturally gifted athlete that worked extremely yeah, hard. Obviously, um, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter whether you're naturally gifted in athletics or not. If you or don't anything or anything, art. if you don't go out there and work really hard. Yes. You know, I had people saying to me things like, oh, you know, um, you were so lucky that you got like photographed by all of these artists and painted by all of these artists. It's like, well, you know, they also photographed and painted a lot of other people. I actually just worked hard and did something with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. But I don't think that there was a whole lot of luck in it, though. You know, well, that's what's so weird because I mean, that must be that must be a strange. A strange or that's a complicated thing to deal with. Let's put it that way, because you have been the, the quote unquote muse. And I, I find that a little I mean, participant in a lot of work done by men. And I think a lot of that is probably because you can handle it. 
Right. Yeah. You know how to do it. You know how to do it. And also because um, I think your athleticism also helps and stuff like that. But I think that um, that would make that makes me a little angry as a feminist because it feels a little bit. That's one of those things I was sort of thinking about um, sexual currency because people don't give you kind of maybe the credit that you should get if they don't see you as a three-dimensional person. Right. They, and Jerry Hall kind of, <laughs> Jerry Hall kind of like fucked with that, didn't she? I love Jerry Hall. <laughs> I think she's so cool. She's so cool. I love that book she wrote. Me too. Oh my God. Um, a really old book about how she traveled around the world, right? Like yeah, really she's actually one of my closest friends' mothers. And she's you like, she's out. very active in the feminist movement, too, in the Equal Rights Amendment. She's amazing. She's done a lot. Yeah. But um, there is something, there is something about that, that um, in this day and age that I think women don't get enough credit for, right? Yeah, I I do see it as women not getting enough credit and I also seeing it see it as I don't care whether somebody gives me credit or not. I was there in the room when it happened. I know that the artists that I work with give me credit, the galleries that I work with give me credit. Everybody who um had anything to do with making any of the work that I've that I've been a part of has given me credit vocally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whether somebody who doesn't know me who you know wants mm-hmm. to show up and look around and not give me credit mm-hmm. i could really care less mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's like putting but it is there there is a putting of of the female in a box right right it's like people telling me that i'm like lucky that i got to work with all of these artists that i was lucky and how great it was that they catapulted my art career and uh it's ridiculous, and I don't take those people seriously who See, tell me things like that. that's the kind of like thing that. that seems really, like, where women don't get... That's just not good. That's not good. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we are evolving, but we have to also, uh, you know, we have to accept the things we cannot change in a way, but yeah. cha- change the things we can. Right. So if somebody, uh, you know, I had somebody at Art Basel say this whole, like, lucky speech, and I... Really? Yeah. And to I, your face? To my face. <laughs> and they don't even know that they're doing it while they're doing it. But I I um, very firmly uh, told them that they were incorrect and the reasons why. And uh, I wasn't nice or polite about it. Um, because if I was nice and polite, they would... Re- they would keep on saying that to other people um, that that I'm lucky about all of these things. I'm like, no, I am not lucky. I made this for myself. I made this happen all by myself. And uh, I went into detail about uh, in in a very firm way. Um, like I said, it wasn't polite at all because they need to know the next time that they say this uh, to anyone, to me about me or about someone else that they're wrong and that these are the repercussions of this, that they can have someone that they look up to not be polite to them. Good for you. Thank you. That's a good service that you're doing for us. That's the, that's the other thing is that I think that, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say that was, 
I wait, wait. I lost my train of thought here. I knew this was going to happen, but I want to get it back. I'm getting it back. I'm getting it back. Reel it in. Reel it in. Give me a second. I was on vacation for too long. Um, well, it sounds like jealousy. That's what we know. We know that. Or it's just people not thinking that there's a person standing next to you. And, uh, there's also this idea that people can come up to me and tell me what they think of me based on, you know, maybe like New York Post articles or like stuff that they hear. And, uh, well, what I was going to say also is that I think... You know, I think there's a certain currency and personality as well. Like my, I think sometimes my husband, I hope he's not listening to this. Oh, he probably is. Who knows? He hasn't divorced me yet. And uh, so this can't do it. This probably won't do it. But I think like sometimes, for example, I think him and maybe other people like I'm good at, you know, starting conversations, obviously. And I think, you know, sometimes he's envious of that. Um because right. I'm good at it and I think there are other people probably but but having the ability <laughs> to um I don't know call it what you want social have social socialization socialization skills mm-hmm. whatever ability to socialize social currency social currency is just really <laughs> such a as, weird term <laughs> I know it's just really kind of just it's it's really just in a certain way a lot parallel to sexual currency because exactly. it's a talent right exactly and and why so in other words we're saying that maybe you have both and because there's no way that you would have posed for this long of a list of diverse yet uh incredibly well-respected artists if you didn't i think a lot of it is your personality i think that's what we're saying it has to be it couldn't be anything else because there are women out there that are much better looking than me you know we have supermodels out here that also would be you know willing to pose for michael dweck and peter beard and george condo and well you know you're in a pretty like you know pretty competitive (laughs) pool if you're just talking about looks yeah Yeah. (laughs) so have you ever thought about acting or anything because you do have charisma obviously oh thanks i would love to act in fact the the thing i think that's stopping me from acting is that uh if acting in a movie or whatever it is if it turns out the way that you don't like it you can't just rip it up and like not have it see the light of day because there's so many different like moving factors in it well yeah i guess the problem with acting is that you're always beholden to somebody else's vision pretty much right unless you wrote it directed and starred in it but even then you're still in trouble with trying to get the funding and getting the distribution it's horrible right yeah and you know any of those like so for example if i make a piece of artwork that i don't like i can just tear it up it'll never see the light of day even if i spend months making it Mm -hmm. i could i could at the end of the day i could be like hmm, okay well i don't like this i'm gonna tear it up make sure nobody sees it um but with acting you could spend a month doing something that not because of you because of an editor or a director um turns out to be complete crap and then you just have to like go with it and go out and promote it anyway yeah. no yeah <laughs> but or, or the script you know you could be in a play and the script could be awful yeah they but could, yeah i would do acting like i would like do a movie with you let's yeah. do a movie okay, let's do a movie uh, I I would do I a few friends of mine and I had some ideas for movies that we just haven't been able to 
have time to like bring oh, out because you know. don't have like Projects. time. Yeah. My gosh. So I think that like, okay, so let's get back to the social currency manipulating men. So like, let's use Mel- Melania Trump as an example because she's easy to easy to see. It's easy to see. So she's using her sexual currency to be married to a rich guy and he's an asshole. There's no way we think he she can she likes him or what what doesn't even matter but she's obviously after the money right well donald trump has an endearing factor which is his money and it's the single endearing factor that he has so thank god he has it it's not looks it's not personality if he's going to rely on anything it has to be his money and you know uh obviously well well, what what i'm saying is i mean that's kind of a joke but you know not really no i but i think women women let's just put it this way i think women a lot of times not all women but i'm talking about the issue of women using their sexuality to like i know a lot of women who want to date rich men i mean personally i know a lot of people like that. oh yeah i know a lot of people like and that too. they want <laughs> you know they don't really like the guy maybe but they want the um you know the whatever comes along the trips or whatever you get whatever you get from that i don't i don't yeah really but know, they right? have to take the trips with the guy that they don't like they're right? cool with that they're cool <laughs> with that so i think that's really anti i think i see that's the kind of stuff that I think is hurting feminism or women's rights is that women are actually manipulating men to get what they want. And I think that's a kind of thing that undercuts women because how can you have respect for women if they are just using their sexuality, their, the most base part of them, you know, or the most common denominator part of themselves? I mean, there's a lot of great things you can do. I use my sexual currency with my husband sometimes, you know. But yeah. It's, but it's not a one-way street. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm saying, like, um, I think that that's the kind of thing that undercuts women's rights to some degree. Have you thought about that? Or what do you think about that? Uh, well, I haven't really given much thought to that. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot of women going after money in New York. And anytime I ever hear anybody talk about it, I always say, hey, there's really nice guys out there in all different yeah. you know socioeconomic right. yeah. backgrounds yeah um and there's also massive assholes in all socioeconomic backgrounds you know so um i just think that people should just if you if you need money um then you should go out and make it right and that's what i do i go out and make money yes i'm making money off of what I look like off of my body, but I'm not stripping or prostituting myself. Well, it's not manipulation. See, right. Exactly. That's the part that bothers that I'm that I'm unresolved. I, I mean, I don't want to be critical of it because at the same time, I don't want to I don't know what I'm talking about in a, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I would do if I really needed money or... You would go out and make it. Or... Like, I would go out and make it myself. (laughs) But also, like, a lot of it seems very ego-driven. It seems like the women want to know that they can get their egos... It satisfies their egos knowing that men will spend money on them. Um... uh, Yeah, that's so weird. Uh, I mean, do you see that? That's what I think I'm talking about. Uh, so I, you know, I see a lot of 
men who use their power from wealth to get women because that's the only thing that they can use to get women. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of women just lined up willing to accept that. Um, but, you know, I don't think I really hang out with a lot of people like no, that. No, but I think those women are undercutting the rest of us. Oh, completely. Right? I think that women who are manipulating men to get money make make all of us look bad. Um, and then men, <laughs> Thank you. Okay, and they I'm make feeling... all of us look bad because, you know, then men, um, they hear all of these horror yes. stories from their friends about women who just want money. So they assume that we're all like that and we're, we're not all like that, no, but it also gives, I think it's a really, I think it's a really bad dynamic. And I think like when women and like women who use their sexuality to manipulate at work, like they want a promotion or a raise and like they'll you know, maybe undercut other women or try to manipulate a guy by flirting with him or getting jobs by flirting and all this stuff. Like, I think all that stuff. Now, people would say I'm jealous, but but I also think at the same time, it's hurting women. It's not allowing women to be taken seriously. Well, I think that there's also this dynamic where women think that they have to flirt to get a promotion and uh, mm. and that's also oftentimes like set up by men in the office who right. pay more attention right. to women um, if they flirt with them. And I think that, uh, right. you know, that's that was created by men, uh, you know, with flirting with their secretaries and things like that. Like they would probably like fire the ones who didn't. And, you know, there's a lot You're of right. residual um, feeling about that around now. Um when when we're taking like highly educated women who deserve to be promoted and forcing them to flirt with people to get promotions, I think that that's a big problem too. I also think it's not discussed enough. The I think men um, don't want to admit that they are being used by women for their money, right? Because it undercuts their power or their sense. There you go. Right. And there's a lot of wealthy men that are great men that, you know, don't have to, um, you know, use yeah, their. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking <laughs> about all sexy women right. and all rich men. I'm just saying like this dynamic is very prevalent in our society. And I think it's undercutting feminism more than and I hate that word feminism, whatever women's rights more than I think it's kind of like a silent, you know, a silent I don't want to say killer, but, you know, a silent problem. Yeah, I think if you allow yourself to be bought, you'll be an object. You know, objects can be bought. Well, it allows people to say, oh, they didn't get ahead. Like what you were saying about um, getting those jobs. Like people are assuming that, you know, you did something manipulative with your about your sexuality to get the job and you didn't. I don't believe. I mean, I I understand why you got the jobs. I know I know some of these people. Right. Exactly. So I know why you got the job. And I was not not sleeping with them. No. And you know, people that are going to. You know, like, I think, you know, you're one of the few women I know that Spencer has actually asked to pose that he knows personally. Usually it's right. people from one place or another. Right. And, you know, maybe in the beginning of my career, I got people asking me, well, did you sleep with that artist? Is that why you got the job? People don't ask me that anymore. But 
Um, you know, I found that like really weird that people would just assume that artists went around giving people jobs just because they slept with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I remember this one photographer, I won't say his name, but um, he sleeps with a lot of people. Yeah. And um, I was, and you know, I there was this magazine that he photographed me in and uh, uh, somebody asked me, you know, did you sleep with that person? And I said, no. If they put every single person that they slept with in this magazine, it would be like an industrial <laughs> doorstopper. <laughs> it would be weigh like 50 pounds. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? every? <laughs> and people get reputations. It must be pressure on everybody in that business because if you have a reputation for sleeping with being the photographer, sleeping with women, you have to sleep then you probably feel like you have to sleep with them. And then if you're the woman, like you probably have a reputation, eh, she's not going to sleep with you. So, so people like that. Yeah. You know, they, people like that or they, you know, that, like in, you know, probably. I mean, you know, especially for like, like I'm with Michael Dweck, like I'm great friends with his wife. Right. I respect her and right. she, you know, feels the same way about me. So right. would she want her husband to be, you know, going off to photo shoots to a woman who has a bad reputation? No. Are you kidding? So we have three minutes. We're going to have to wrap this up. Um, I want people to know that they should go to your website. Is that it? Uh, yeah. Well, if you want to go to my website, it's NatalieWhiteForEqualRights.org. Um, it hasn't been updated lately, but you can just... Neither is mine. It's okay. I hear you. If you want to um, uh, find out more about the Equal Rights Amendment, go to EqualMeansEqual.org. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, is so do you have any like uh, words of advice for young women being a young woman yourself? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Words of advice for young women about uh, about how they should demand, you know, how to be treated well by men. or Yeah. Uh, d don't be told how to feel. <laughs> uh, don't be told how to think. Uh, think inside your own box. Don't think inside other people's. When people say think outside the box, what they really mean is think inside my box. Huh. Uh, do not, and your box is your head. So um, think for yourself. Don't, um, you know, listen to all of the options and then come up with your own, um, uh, with your own analysis based on. It's really good advice. I'm gonna Thank you. I'm going to take that. Do you still exercise a lot? Are you into sports? Do you yeah, do I do sports? like interval training. Um, and I do a lot of walking. I walk to a yeah, lot of places. I love walking. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Wow. You're awesome. You're awesome. No, no. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> um, you know, guys, if you missed any of this, you can listen to it tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., 8 to 9 a.m. right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, you can follow me, Dr. Lisa. Uh, it's at Dr. Lisa Levy. SP stands for self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed psychotherapist. Uh, don't forget to go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Donate some money, and you should also stick around. This is very important. We have great programming coming up today. We have right after this, Lost and Rewound with Ellen Donziger. We've got, uh, we had Tom Tenney. I told you about that. We've got uh, Brooklyn Bandstand, 4 to 5, with Rob Pritchard. And uh, what else have we got? We've also got uh, my good friend Ben Lewis today. Ben talks. Ben's super popular. He's he's awesome. He, he is funny, and he's got the greatest group of people.